Hello, I'm Bishop Shane Parker, and this is ADO on the Move for Saturday, November 7th, 2020. I welcome you to Episode 6 of Season 2 of ADO on the Move. This is the last episode of Season 2, and you can find all previous episodes in this season and in Season 1 on our diocesan website at ottawa.anglican.ca. We begin today's podcast on Maribel Road, where I met with the Reverend Monique Stone to talk about an exciting development project happening in the parish of Julian of Norwich. Monique, there's a huge, wonderful project happening here on this very site. Tell me about it. Well, this congregation has been discerning a call to uh, redefine how its ministry is shaped on this property. Uh, We have two and a half acres of land, and over the last three years I've been here, we've been working at developing relationships with other organizations to maximize this property for the social good. And so we are doing that to provide an opportunity for affordable home rental uh, space. And for that, we've partnered with Multi-Faith Housing Initiative. And then due to the size of the space, we also have an opportunity at the front of the property to look at some social good organizations that may need commercial space and then affordable home ownership opportunities here with an organization called CADCO that the diocese works with in in different um, projects. The church space would be a multi-use space that includes a community hub uh, with all kinds of different ways that we can animate the space for all of the people who both live on it and live around the community and yeah create a new way of delivering ministry and creating quality of life in this area. Monique you mentioned a number of partners how many partners are on site and this includes a large community as well does it? Yeah we currently have a large community and we've had uh, the diocese um, partnered with Larsh Ottawa about 20 years ago and so currently in, in one of the houses on the property, and there's only one house left on the property, but Larsh has been a resident in that house with their community space for 20 years. And they use the parish hall and sometimes the sanctuary uh, for a variety of different activities that bring the various large houses together. Mm-hmm for large events um, or for liturgical moments like we do uh, Monday, Thursday together. So in the new development, uh, we will likely see 
some of the large residents, core, core members, living on the property in different units and uh, that, that still has to be figured out so what that housing. would look like. And also they'll continue to be a partner in the community hub. So there are, I'm just thinking, four partners, including yourselves, in this in this development, essentially. Well, also, it's a joint venture with our diocese, isn't it? So Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we as the diocese are, are one of the equity partners, and then our two other equity partners, who basically are responsible for the financial investment, are Multifaith Housing and CADCO. And then... Organizations like L'Arche and other community nonprofits are uh, what we would call community partners. Uh, so they have a different relationship, but still what we're looking at is creating this, this community of partners that eventually will include also our residents to look at the different ways that we create space here and use the space. Now, the journey to this point began with conversations between the former parishes of St. Michael and All Angels and St. Richard's. Tell us a little bit more about the journey, uh, the internal journey, so to speak, of how those two congregations amalgamated and their hopes and the kinds of challenges and opportunities you faced to get to the point where there was internal consensus to proceed. Yeah, so um, that, kind of, that journey happened before I arrived, but I would in my own exploration, I actually would say that St. Richard's and St. Michael's as congregations have had a bubbling up of interest and mission that is creative for decades. With conversations around affordable housing way back in the 70s. Mm. And so it's interesting, I think the spirit was at play throughout the whole whole lifespan of St. Richard's and St. Michael and All Angels. And then they went through some difficult conversations about where they were um, maybe six or seven years ago in their own parish life. And kudos to them, they, the parishioners, most parishioners really engaged in those challenging conversations and then they made the decision uh, the the risk the risk filled decision to embark on this project um, and I think uh, have through the discernment of that have really melded together as a community so we really are Julian and of course we talk about our our former Roots. congregations and roots and and of course when someone comes in and says well this is St. Richard's to me we say okay what however you come um, you're welcome so yeah what advice would you give to other parish communities who might be contemplating uh, developing their par uh, property in partnership with others what would be some important things for people to keep in mind clergy and lay leaders I think you need to recognize how long it takes. Development is a long, long process, and it's particularly long as we are bringing people alongside and adding, you know, a discernment to that. Uh, it's easy if you're just a private developer mm -hmm. and want to just put up a building. Even that takes long, but it's even longer when we have a long history and so it takes it takes a long time and, and I think 
people have to be willing to have the difficult conversations and support each other through that. And that it has to be mission driven. Mm -hmm. It's not, development is not uh, your savior. It's not going to pay your bills necessarily. No, it's not. This is a mission mission decision. Um, It doesn't mean that we are living off some gravy train of money. It's that we've, in fact, we, we as the diocese have made this decision to support affordable housing. And because of that, we're actually contributing some of the value of our property to make this happen. So, so to remember that it's not an economic decision, it's a mission decision. It sounds like it's an act of generosity that reaches out into the community. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and provides something that we are uniquely suited to do we, um, as a diocese and in this um, well, we have organizational structure, yep. we have land, and we have a willingness to work yeah. in partnership, which is a pretty nice uh, trinity of, of variables to bring into a discussion yeah. with others. And, and I think I would, the other thing I would say is that the willingness to partner, we're not experts at uh, renting apartments, at um, building, you know, 10-story buildings. We need to recognize our need for partners and to develop trustworthy partnerships that we feel committed to and then figure out what is the pull and take that ensures we can deliver our ministry and also enable other organizations to do good work in our city. It sounds like that's had the effect of strengthening the spirit of your congregation and the sense of cohesiveness within the parish of Julian of Norwich. Yeah, for sure. Before we started this interview, Monique, we were exploring the space that we're sitting in, your current sanctuary, and uh, you were saying that you've already begun to model what it will be like in the new worship space, in a sense. And how has that worked out? How do people feel about that, knowing that this will go and something new will emerge? You know, I think at every stage there's both the excitement and also some lament in, in the journey, because we will move into something new and if this congregation had their way we would start building on sunday mm-hmm. but we also are recognizing that it it is going to be an adjustment and we have to own that and, and acknowledge that uh, so trying it out has been fun in the sense that we've been really hands-on in, in figuring out well what does what will this space look like and what type of creativity do we need I'm very grateful to Monique Stone for her strong and skilled leadership of the development project at the parish of Julian of Norwich. In the fall of the year 2000, I approached a young musician named Timothy Piper to establish a girls choir at our cathedral church in downtown Ottawa. Tim rose to the challenge and in 2001, the Cathedral Girls Choir came into being. Here now is an early recording of the original Girls Choir singing She Flies On.
Sunday before my visit with the Reverend Monique Stone at the parish of Julian of Norwich, I visited with the congregation at St. Mark the Evangelist Anglican Church on Fisher Avenue. After the service, I spent some time with the Reverend Julian Campbell talking about his childhood in the Bahamas. I'm in the office of the Reverend Julian Campbell, who's the incumbent of St. Mark's the evangelist, St. Mark the Evangelist. St. Mark the Evangelist, right. We mustn't forget that. <laughs> the whole title. <laughs> yeah. And Julian, uh, happy anniversary. You've been the incumbent for one year. Thank All Saints you. Day. Yes. Last year, November 1st, All Saints Day, was my first Sunday here. And what a year it has been. I didn't expect all of the calamity for the past year. Yes. So... Now, Julian, you were born on Cat Island. I was born on Cat Island in the Bahamas, one of the, what we consider to be a family islands of the Bahamas. Because there's a city 
New Prop, Nassau, City, Freeport. And then the other islands are considered family islands. They are not as, they are more rural in for the most part. I left Kid Island at the age of 14. So what was it like growing up those first 14 years on one of the family islands? It was complete peace, mm -hmm. tranquility. Um, most persons on Cat Island lived on the uh, coastal side of the island. So we had the, the sea, the sand, and then uh, two, or three, two or three roads into the, into the land were the houses. Mm -hmm. So actually I could, I could have seen the beaches from my house. It was complete tranquility. On the islands back then, most families were plus five to 14 to 20 in some cases. Lots Mine of kids. Was, lots, lots of kids. kids. So it was a lot of fun. It was a real, a real community-based environment. People help each other. Uh, people were very religious. And most people on the island back then were Anglicans. So Anglican was the dominant mm -hmm. uh, Christian denomination. Of course, we had some other denominations, mm -hmm. uh, Pentecostals mixed with some African elements, etc. Mm -hmm. Just that kind so of environment. So you, you were a young boy growing mm -hmm. up on an island. Mm -hmm. What did you do for fun? What did you do to get into mischief? Tell, tell us, tell us a mischievous story for, of Julian the Younger. <laughs> for fun, many times um, people on the island they were very superstitious. I guess a part of it because the history of the Bahamas uh, were part European, part African. So although the European element was there, the African element was still there in a lot of things we did. For example, people would put uh, so-called potions in their vegetable gardens or their fruit trees to ward us off from stealing their goods. And many times you would test to see if these potions really work. <laughs> oh, you're talking to me today, so I guess they did not work very well. <laughs> didn't work. So you survive, you would go in what, what, what we call a dilly tree. Dilly tree is a fruit that's grown in the Bahamas. And we would actually test to see if this potion would really... In the Bahamas, they have, they, there's, an expression, there's an expression that's called fixing. Fixing means you are hurt by this potion. I see. Uh, many times we would go in the tree to see if we, we would get fixed. Mm -hmm. And many times, nobody ever, ever fixed. So <laughs> we just keep going and testing and testing. So it's that kind of uh, fun. Julian, tell me, what, what would be your favorite dish from, from your, your early days? What, what, what food was, uh -huh. uh, did your mother or, or others prepare that, that you can't get here? What, what would that be? Steam conch. Peas and rice, sometimes with uh, coleslaw. Conch is uh, one of the major foods in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. It's, of course, it's a sea snail, so to speak, mm -hmm. a very large sea snail. And it, it's fixed in many ways, prepared in many ways. It can be eaten raw. Now, when you say fixed, no, 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 not fixed in terms of not, not in terms of the the, the, the no potions. potions, right? No, but prepared. I don't yes. use a better word. Prepared. Uh, you can you can eat it raw, mm -hmm. with sometimes with some vegetables. Uh, you can actually eat it alive. Uh, some people, especially if you're a tourist, you want to try that one. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be steamed. It can what else be boiled and. There are many ways in which we fix it. Mm -hmm. So you may have that with rice, uh, sometimes even with grits, because grits is also very popular in Bahamas. So for our breakfast, we'll have grits and eggs, 
And grits came in the Bahamas from many of our North American ancestors mm. from the U.S. So the Bahamas is also populated by a lot of North Americans who came along with their slave masters. I see. And so that came became a part of the culture mm-hmm. as well. So that's still very popular every day is some form of grits. And then another form of food is shitong. Uh, it's called shitong sauce. It's actually a broth prepared with the shitongs mm-hmm. and with a lot of spices and you eat it with a johnny cake. And johnny cake is from our African side of our ancestry whereby they would fix this bread and the name Johnny comes from the word a bread for the journey. Thus, okay. Johnny cake. Journey cake. Right. So yeah. over the years, it, it became corrupted. <laughs> it's now yes. just Johnny cake. Okay. Right. Well, Julian, you're making me really hungry after sharing worship with you this morning here at St. Mark's. I think I'm going to go home and fix something a little bit more modest than the wonderful foods you've described. But, Julian, thank you so much uh, Welcome for your hospitality here um, at St. Mark's this morning, and God bless you and your continued journey with us. It was a pleasure having you, Bishop. And that concludes the final episode for Season 2 of ADO on the Move. This podcast is a production of the Anglican Diocese of Ottawa with sound editing by Nicholas Piper, art music by Gordon Johnson, and production assistance by Heidi Fawcett. May the gentle peace of Christ be with you and those you love on earth and in heaven. God bless and talk soon.